0: Friends, Chris Sotter, lead pastor at Neighborhood Church. We work hard at creating content every week that is life-giving and inspiring for people to live a full life. So we're inviting people who find this stream to be life-giving and encouraging to consider becoming a sustaining member at Neighborhood Church. That could be a one-time gift or to subscribe monthly. And you can do that at neighborhoodchurchmn.org. Thank you, friends, and enjoy the message. Today I am starting a new series and it's all about... um, becoming aware becoming aware of who of who you are and who we are as a community um, in a pandemic early last uh, what 16 17 months um, I imagine that you've learned some things about yourself right and I would even like to see if you can even post them um, if you're watching uh, on Facebook or you're listening to this while you are running <laughs> right you can yell it out in the woods and no one will think that is odd. Uh, But I imagine either intentionally or unintentionally, like you wanted to learn about yourself or you didn't want to learn about yourself. Um, The pandemic kind of forces all of us to become aware of things. Uh, Maybe it was your body and you didn't wake up one morning and say, you know what, I can't wait to like evaluate what I think and feel about my body, right? Like when you are sitting around all day, you might feel the effects of that. Maybe you had to come in touch with your mental health. Maybe you had to become aware of your job and if you like it or not. Uh, one of my friends has um, literally been working in a closet for the last 16 months, just in this utility closet. <laughs> right? And you might, it is, it is very quiet in there, in his garage of all places too. Um, maybe it's about your mental health. Maybe it's about how you cope, right, of what you are consuming or what you're drinking or what you are <laughs> what you are engaging in to um, not feel something as strongly. Uh, maybe it's about money, and you had to get clear about um, uh, about money. And I'm a big fan of, oh, I shouldn't say, about most things. I like getting clear on things, right? I like evaluating to see if I'm actually moving towards um, somewhere on purpose. One of our values here at Neighborhood is uh, purpose. We want to do things um, on purpose and with purpose. We don't just want to randomly do that. And if, if, the uh, only way to know if we're actually accomplishing that is to pause, look around, and evaluate. Um, one thing that I, I know that many of you has caught up been happening, um, is being aware of your spirituality of checking, evaluating what is it I really believe a word uh, that we use is called disorder. There's order disorder and reorder, and it's kind of going through what are the fundamental beliefs? What are the core values that I hold as a spiritual person and what are things were handed to me either through culture or through ignorance or through trauma, right? And learning how to set those down and move forward and this is a beautiful um process it's also a very lonely process and i imagine that in that pandemic you've been thinking about that and also you should be thinking of like uh, what kind of church are we what kind of spiritual person am i uh and what kind of church are we i know as a staff we've been talking about it uh brie has continually saying what does it even mean what does it even mean to be human what does it even mean what is worship what does it mean (laughs) Yeah, well, she's waiting for the answer, right? <laughs> and I think it's—I think it's so—it's such a good—it's such a good question because I really think we should get clear on those things. What does worship mean to me, and why is it important? Um, what is sacraments? What is the um, uh, what do you call it—the not indoctrination, the indwelling, the incarnation? Right? What does incarnation even what, what does it even mean? Because if you don't. Come to terms of those things. If you're not if you're not getting clear about those, then it might even lose its value. It might even m- lose its importance. And it's it's interesting. Of when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to church, it feels unsafe to process those things. It feels almost even dangerous to to stop and say, well, can I reimagine what it means to be Christian? And some people are like, no, 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 no. You can't reimagine. We have to do. We've been doing this for thousands of years. That is a Oh, we're not getting into that, all right? Um, because somehow we feel shame. Somehow we feel no. I should have all the right answers. I shouldn't question anything. Uh, Pete Enns wrote a book called *The Sin of Certainty*, and it is outstanding. This idea of we we have to hold certain of, of, of a truth for all time, even though through the Bible, even though Jesus, and even ne- next week we're going to be talking about how how Paul reimagines what it means to be Christian. He changes. He he is willing to pivot and evolve and move some. Things that were incredibly, incredibly um, orthodox or foundational. And it's in those places of getting clear that we find new discoveries. And in new discoveries, there's new life. So um, I've had um, several of you have reached out to me or reached out to people on our staff. i um, asking like, well, w- what, what is our church? That is a great question. So next three weeks, we're going to be talking about what, like, what is neighborhood church? Who are we? Because who we were before, <laughs> of course things are going to change. When we don't meet in person for 16 months, you can't help but grow, right? And some of the things that um, the values haven't changed at all. But of course, all of us are different. All of us have grown. All of us have evolved in some way. And so, But there's some things that are at our core of our church that I wanted to go over again. So for the next several weeks, we're going to be going through them. And today, um, today I got to make sure I have my notes right here. Today, we're doing uh, Christ Centered. And some of you are like, oh, great! This is be like a 30-second message. Uh, imagine that—that that a Christian church uh, it says that we believe in Christ. Yep, that's that's it, right? But think about how many different versions of Christianity are out there today. And of course, we're all going to say we're going to believe in Jesus. But what does it what does it even what what does it even mean, Brie? <laughs> what does it mean of the Christ? Because if I said Jesus Christ, some people might say, oh, that's Jesus' last name, and his middle name's H, right? <laughs> and it's, it's, it's the idea is something so much bigger and again for me to say that I want to be a Jesus looking person for me saying I want um, Christ to be at the center of my life then we have to be aware of what the Christ is and so where I start is reading in John John chapter 1 um, and again John is this Crazy guy who wrote this book that's so different. The other gospels start with like <laughs> with like the genealogy, right the, of the line of where um, how Christ came to be to, to kind of like argue or point to the covenant that God made with Abraham, um, even though they go different directions. John's like, ah, we don't need that. What we need is this. This is how John starts it, talking about who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. is doing is very intentional he's drawing on the, the beginning of the origin story of, of Genesis and he's saying in the beginning there was this word and this word was God and was with God so there's this that, that um, relation of whatever word you choose like um, trinity It's this idea of that the the word was God, but it's also with God. So it it is whole, and it's in all things, right? It's this very mystic word. But what he's bringing up in Genesis 1, it says that there was this spirit that was hovering over the water. There was this word. There was this life. There was this light that was just hovering over over the water. And when it began to speak, what it brought was life. What it brought was energy. What it brought was this, this belonging. What it brought was, like... um. Uh, matter sustenance and what And he said let there be light and it says it was good when it separate the land from the waters it says it was good and let there be um uh, animals and fish and it was good and let there be humans and it was good there is all this movement and energy and love and at the core of everything is this tov is this goodness but it was this word that john is attributing to jesus and it's the word that we attribute to the Christ. You see, the Christ, and this is a lot, I'm, I'm stealing a lot from Richard Rohr here. If you want to read more, it's called the Universal Christ and is outstanding. The idea of the Christ is that it's always been, it's in the beginning, and through this Christ, through this word, um, all things were made. Nothing was made, not uh, everything that was made was through him. And the reason that this is such a big deal is that at being a Christ-centered church, we believe that every single thing in this creation, every single person, every blade of grass, every music, every uh, glass of a cup of coffee, at the core of it, every single thing is the Christ. And the reason that this matters, right? Because I just used the word, um, the incarnation. Rohr says, in the person of Jesus is the second incarnation. The first incarnation is the world that God, the Christ, spilled out uh, into all things in, in this world and to this day. And the reason that this matters so, uh, matters so important to me is that if Christ is in all things, then we are all deeply connected. We are all in relationship to all things. There's nothing in this world that is out. There's nothing in this community. There's no, no one in your workplace. There's nowhere in this world where you are out. We all belong. And if we all belong and we're all connected— right? Then there is a place to thrive. There's a place to grow. There's a place to fail. There's a place to be a hot mess and you still belong. And as, as a church, right? Churches have treated, um, use words like Christian and secular. Anyone remember those words? Like, do you listen to secular music, Brie? <laughs> right? I, 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 not in high school. I, I hate that word. I never liked that word because it already is establishing that there is, there's this right people, there's the good people, and then there's everyone else. If this is true, that we're all connected, we all belong, then there is no Christian music or secular music. There's just music, <laughs> right? It means that my, we can honestly believe when Jesus says to love our enemies, we don't have to conjure up something. We can say, no, my, my sister, my friend, or my brother is never my enemy. Why? Because they're the Christ. And if Christ is in all things, then I can be a student of all things. I can learn from the Christ in all people, in all places, at all time. And then uh, the idea of evangelism, right? Evangelism uh, literally means to bring the good news, to announce good news. And the church has treated evangelism as going to people and saying, you are a depraved, wretched, sinful person at the core of you. Right, original sin. At the core of you is this. Is the consequences of someone did in this garden with a talking snake, and because of that, you are a horrible, wretched person in need of saving. Look, you know what? How Jesus did evangelism. You know what Jesus did? Jesus went to people and reminded who they always been. they the people show up because of their culture, because of their how they um, practice their spiritual beliefs right? The woman at the well uh, of how their body is. And maybe it's different to other people. And they say, well, no, already I don't belong. I'm out. And Jesus shows up and reminds people who they've always been, that they are deeply loved at the core of them. Is that love next week? We're talking on, I'm going to be do deep dive in that. We're an inclusive church. And yeah, that has um, something to do with the, the queer community, but it's something so much bigger. That's a part of it. But it's something so much bigger. And we're going to do a deep dive of what I'm just talking about, how everything belongs but it's important it's imperative that when we say we're a christ-centered church what we say is that where we start where 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 our foundation is is that everything belongs every single person belongs and we can be a a, a student uh, and let other things be a teacher to us even though we might see it differently express it differently believe it differently we can still not see it as a threat we can see it as a way to grow and to learn so next week deep dive into that so, literally every week we talk something about um, how we can reimagine being a human because that's what Jesus did. Jesus came to help us to see that we can be our fullest self. But I want to talk about just like one thing. But before I do, I'd like you to like just think for a moment. And you can, if you're watching live and you'd like to post it, you can. What is it that you love most about Christ? Like if I said, um, like uh, Steve, what do you love most about your wife? You'd say what? Uh, she's funny. She's funny. See, yeah, but you had to pause. Most people, right? <laughs> it's easy. When you get put on the spot and say, well, what do you love most about your partner? You might be like, uh, well, I love them. <laughs> they, they, uh, I love, love. I love, love they still like will say hi to me all right um, we're not always crystal clear we are not always crystal clear about what is it that we really love about our friends what is it we really love about ourselves right when jesus said to love your neighbor as you love yourself like you can't love someone else if you don't know how to love yourself cuz you, you, usually where we start is that we are horrible people to ourselves we say we say wretched things about ourselves so we never say to anyone else and if we believe that, then we're going to extend that same kind of love, grace, to other people. We have to be aware. In the same way, if we say, well, what do you love about God? Or what do you love about Jesus? Right? People are like, oh, I, he's up there. I'm down here. You know. Like, getting clear in that is very, very important. I'm going to follow up on that later. The thing that I, the one thing I find very inspiring uh, about the Christ is um, how gracious the word grace right because <laughs> in, in John 14 specifically I've been thinking about this uh, a lot the, the disciples like his buddies the people are learning they, they're talking with Jesus and they're asking him like essentially the question is I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time but essentially they're saying hey Jesus like you say you're all these things like really <laughs> like come on like, how, just like like really like how can we really know? And so Jesus says, Well, if you can't believe my words, right? If you don't believe my words, well, just look at my works. Look at what I've done. And like three or four different ways, Jesus answers that question by saying, if you can't really like grasp what I am saying, well then just keep my commands. And what are the commands? It's to show up in love. These commands are things that we are supposed to like specifically do. It's how you are in this world. It's how you find in relation to the people around you, in the relation to yourself, in relation to the divine. What what I find so interesting, so inspiring, is that these people, these group of um, people that have been following Jesus, completely screwed up. They missed the plot over and over and over. um, Of Peter, like one of them, Peter... um, it thinks he's going to be on the right hand of Jesus in this kingdom. And in this kingdom, he believes it's going to be this political where they're going to have all this power. And it's going to be taken by force. Jesus says, hey, by the way, we're peacemakers. Remember that, Peter? And Peter's like, yeah, I got that. Now I'm going to cut this guy's ear off, right? <laughs> and then what does Peter do? Peter, like, says, I, they're like, hey, you know this Jesus guy? He's like, Jesus, who's that? I don't know who that is. I am a robot. And so then he runs away and hides, Right. And he just, he screws up over and over and over again, and still Jesus, Jesus goes after Peter, which in our, our culture, at least I'll just use me, in our culture, the way I think is that you have to have all your stuff right. You have to get it all perfectly in line. Then you get the best of something, right? Even after this epic failure, Jesus still shows up, makes a meal for Peter and says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Ask them three times. There is this, there is this graciousness of you are not out because you don't get it right. You're not out because you fail. You're not out because you don't fit in like everyone else. And if this can happen to these group of people that they can just not get it, and Jesus saying, Hey, you know what? You might get this later on. Even if you don't understand it, even if we don't have the same language, even if we have a different approach of what it even means, what the Christ is, it still belongs. But can you still show up and do the stuff that I'm asking you to do. Because what does Jesus say? Jesus said, you will know you are Christians by the way you love one another. And we often think of Christianity. Right? I'm using these, these words specifically, right? Because that word, right? Christianity, Christ, Christ-centered. For some people, right? It, it feels like a trigger. Because at one point in our life, we were, the way we were taught to look at it and think about it and worship it and believe it was in this system of power, manipulation, and control. When you look at about Jesus, Jesus says, if you don't even get these words right, like there's time, there's grace. Like we can do this, but you can still love. And if we can test everything in love, if the the result of what we do is love, even if we have different names, even if we have different views, even if we have different starting points of what it means to be human or what it means to be Christian, right? And even what word we attach to that, like what, what Christ does makes room for all of it. saying, can we continue to move on? So one of my favorite theologians, Dorothy Soule, she is a um, German feminist and liberation um, theologian. And if you want to nerd out on what that is, uh, come to the Coffee Time and we'll talk about it. Because I I love it. She is wonderful. Um, And she has a book called Thinking About God or Thoughts on God. And she doesn't give her thoughts on God until the last two chapters. And it might be the two best chapters of any theological book I've ever read. and in there, she has this quote. And she goes, people often ask me, do I believe in God? And I'm paraphrasing. And she essentially says, eh, that's the wrong question. Like, I'm happy for you. What, what do you believe in God? I'm not very interested in. She goes, like, like, show me God. Like, do God. How do you do God is way more important. She goes, we have all these thoughts and all these things. But our intellectual sense, the, the, the thoughts that we have about God, and I think they deeply matter, absolutely. But if it's all just this, information and never moves into our, our, our life, then it's just this game. And we do this all the time, right? Like, how many more Bible studies do we need to talk about we're supposed to love our neighbor? How, how many more, like, sermons or uh, podcasts we have to learn about of how Jesus showed up to empower people, right? How, how many more Twitter things, threads do we have to read about what the Bible says about loving the immigrant, Right? and feeding the poor what we do is we continually go back well i better relearn that i better think over that i better mull on it a little bit because we have this intentionally unintentionally we, we think i have to have all this stuff like certified i have to have all this stuff known in and out then i am deemed worthy to act or do or participate in our culture we do this of like um when there is um, acts of violence, gun violence. Like, well, we better put a, a, a board together, a panel, and we're going to do a, a study of how um, gun violence in school might shape kids. Like, yeah, what about the last study? Can we just believe that one? Right? Well, we're going to get a, a group of, together. And we're going to look at the effects of uh, racism and how that, uh, the, how that shapes students of color. It's like, okay, we need another one of those? Okay, well, can't we just believe the, the last hundred that we've done? Can we just like maybe take those and enact those policies now? And the reason that we keep punting and we keep pushing the fuel go back is because it makes people in control, people in the normative culture, the people who have the privilege or the power, we can look and say, oh, someone is doing something about it. They're thinking about it. They're talking about it. They're writing papers about it. And to us, those in dominant society, that makes us feel better because we feel like there is action. Where those who are marginalized, those who are most impacted by it, look at it and say, oh great, another another board, another panel. Great. Like, I, I'm, I'm going to still show up as me in a, in a world that people don't see me as the real me. Like, at some point, we can just start doing it. This is why I love this church. We can be a Christ-centered church, meaning... We might not have all the answers. We might not get it right. I am going to screw up. You might be at a totally different place of what you view Christ is or what you view, what does worship even mean? And we have two different interpretations. We have two different ways of looking at God or what it means to be human or what it means to relate to a God. And you still belong because you still can show up in love and you are included. Churches so often, in my experience, feels like you have to come in and know stuff. You have to come in and just get it all right, look right, be right, do right. And, and we can use the words like "come as you are," as long as coming as you are still looks like me, talks like me, believes like me, agrees with me. Uh, the thing I love about this church is that we can hold multiple truths at once. We can be a mess. We can be uncertain. We can be in order, disorder, or reorder, and one's not better than the other, because the belonging is in the person. Why? Because the deepest part of us is the Christ. It is that love. It is that divine. And then we can go out, right? We can go out and do the what traditionally called doing the words and the works of Christ, right? We can go and and display and engage in that love, because remember I asked you earlier, what is that you most love about the divine? What is it the most love feel inspiring about the Um, about the Christ, it's going to look different between Nikki and I, or you and I. It's going to look very different. And how that's going to be played out in your neighborhood should look different. That's why some spiritual communities, they'll have like, there's like three ways to participate and do this, this, or this. And that works. I think it's fine. The, The way that we approach it is saying we should have like hundreds of different ways of loving our neighbors. There should be hundreds of different ways of how we can engage our neighborhoods but we still need a place where we can come back and clink a glass or cry or celebrate or wonder or be angry or to process. And that's what neighborhood is. And hopefully in several weeks, we're gonna be uh, back in person so we can do that with one another because what you do matters. And being Christ-centered means everyone belongs. But Christ-centered means that we get to act and mimic in the way of the person of Jesus. Jesus reveals and shows us what it looks like to be human right? And to be Christ-centered means that there is room for grace. There is room to evolve. There is room to fail. There is room to wonder. There's room to grow because all of it belongs. All right, friends. So I hope I get to see you today. If you're around town uh, in about 15 minutes, the coffee will be ready. Um, And if, uh, again, if you'd ever like to process about what, who we are as a church or um, where I'm I'm at, maybe spiritually or theologically, or where you're at, and you might have some questions. I had a great talk with someone um, about what does salvation even mean this past week. So if you'd like to do that, you can DM me, or you can email me. Go to our website, neighborhoodchurchmn.org, where you can get all our contact information. So let me pray. So God, we love you, and I thank you that we can be... um, exactly who we are in this space, in this breath, and that's never a threat. That we don't have to accomplish something, grasp onto something, get a series of words correct, then then we have access to this God, that this God is already in us. And I pray that, w- that we can awaken to that reality, and that when we go out into, out of, <laughs> out of our, our closet from our job, into the garage, and into our neighborhoods, uh, into the places that what we can bring is that same love, that same life. And so I ask God that you would help us be Christ everywhere we go. And we love you. Amen. All right, well, thanks, friends. I hope, again, I get see a little bit and have a great rest of your weekend.